0: Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The O.C. Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Man, you chose the right Sunday to be here, and uh, we're excited. we got some great things in store for you. We always kind of try to keep you on your toes, and, and I, there's a treat in store today that I think is going to be a monumental treat. Uh, as, as many of you may know, we started this church almost six years ago, In September will be our six year anniversary. Megan and I moved here. Hey, Thank you, the one of you that care about that. Um, for everybody else, you know, we're praying for you, but we, Megan and I moved here. We didn't know anyone here, and, and we just said, okay, God put this dream in our heart, and then brought some amazing people to help us do that. And they're still part of the journey. And then God brought you, which you're even more amazing. So it just gets better and better. And along the that was horrible. I just gave you a compliment and you weren't even excited about it. But along the way, we just felt it was not just important, but more like a mandate on our life to do everything that we can to help build the church, not just the movement church, but the church. Right now, all around Orange County are amazing churches that are meeting that are Bible-based and Christ-centered, and we're for them. They're not the competition. We're on the same team, and so, man, we're, we're about that, not only in Orange County, but in Southern California, in the greatest state in the Union, the state of California, and all across the nation, we're we're about helping, equipping, and empowering Pastors and leaders to plant churches and to plant life-giving churches that, that last and impact the community. And when we meet people with the same heartbeat, when we meet people with the same passion, we become best friends instantly. And a few years ago, Megan and I had the great opportunity to meet an amazing individual and his wife, Brandon and Lindsay Stewart, and uh, and we just got to talking and instantly we just became great friends. Uh, they serve on a team at a great church in the Seattle area and were there for decades, literally, and they have just recently launched a ministry called Leading Second, which is all about equipping anyone who's not the senior pastor to help build the church, and man, that's a large group of people, and so we love them and are a part of that, and uh, in fact, this church has been a part of helping get that, that ministry off the ground, and along the way, I just said, hey man, we would love for you guys to come and be a part of our church, and Brandon, we'd love for you to actually just preach and speak to our church, and so the stars aligned, and God worked it out, and today you have just the, the great privilege of hearing an amazing word from an amazing man, and if he says something you don't like, come back next week, he won't be here, it's okay, and so would you do me a favor, would you please welcome to the stage, my friend, come on, Brandon Stewart, come on, a little bit better than that. Good morning,
1: church. How are we doing this morning. This is the, what is it, 11 a.m. service, so you're all well-rested, caffeinated, like been up praying and fasting, like, like like we're like ready to have some church, right? Are we all good? Hey, I have to say, uh, before we get into it, it's absolutely our honor Uh, to be here this morning. I couldn't wait to get here. I couldn't wait for this weekend we've been talking about. I've been begging them to come actually for a couple years and they finally either got tired of it or were excited about it, but either way we're here. And, um, but in all seriousness, uh, I hope that you're aware, I think you would be, but I hope that you're aware by being here this morning that um, this is special. Like what's going on here at the movement um, is not normal it's not easy, um, is uncommon to me. Um, there's a lot of, we, we get to go a lot of, lot of places, but every once in a while you come across a place and a couple that, like your pastor, like you actually just heard him talk about, are so kingdom-minded that you just can't help but just want to hold their arms up, you know, really high. And, and so I just feel like in your pastors, I have met new friends, um, new heroes, new champions, people that I admire so greatly. And just in case you showed up with amnesia this morning, I just wanted to remind you, you're so blessed that God saw fit to put you in this house with your pastors. Can you thank God right now uh, for your pastors that they look after you? And um, let's never tire of of, um, honoring the leaders that God has. I think I'm going to actually talk a little bit on that line tonight, by the way um but let's never tire of honoring the leaders because having just launched something ourselves let me say that you don't know what it's like to step out and do something as the tip of the spear and a pioneer in the kingdom you know until you've done it and kind of all hell comes against you and you put yourself on the front line and are targets often and yet your pastors have navigated it with grace and with strength and with a kingdom mind and in fact my wife and I stepped out into one of the biggest step of faith we've taken to date earlier this year with launching our own ministry. And um, just so you all know, like you invested into us. So, but anyone that contributes to this house, you actually have seeds in the ground of the thing that we're building right now. So a huge thank you from our life to yours, but just thank you for being that kind of house and being that kind of church that sees the bigger picture of what God is doing in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. So I couldn't wait to get here today. And um, would you stand with me to your feet uh, before we get into the word of God? I have to stand for like 40 minutes, so I'm going to make you stand up for like two. How about that? Do you love God's Word? you thankful for the Word of God? Um, I don't know how it works, but what we're going to do right now is we're going to open up this book, and uh, this is the Bible, and um, it's more than just the best-selling book of all time or, you know, a leather-bound book with, with extremely, strangely thin pages. And, you know, mostly black letters and some red ones. Um, this is hope. I mean, this, this is truth. This is, this is life. And um, what happens is on Sundays and, and as often as we can, we open up this book. And I don't quite know how it works yet. But when we read from its pages and unpack its truth, things change. You know, stories are rewritten and lives are transformed. Something happens that none of us could orchestrate when we read out of this book. And so here's what's going to happen this morning. We're going we're to dive into this, and I'm so excited for what we're going to talk about today. And um, as we unpack the truth of God's Word, what's going to happen is like a good farmer, um, the, the, God is going to come, Jesus is going to come, he's here, and he's going to break up the seed of the Word, and he's going to scatter it, into every heart that would receive it. And how many of you know the, the word of God is not faulty? But sometimes the soil of our heart can be faulty. Sometimes the soil of our heart can, cannot be ready to receive what God has for us. We can have, you know, weeds or thorns or stones or pests or things that would seek to steal what you're going to hear this morning. So my challenge to you, before we get into the Word, I wanted to take just a minute, I asked these guys to awkwardly hang up here with me for just a minute, play some romantic music, um, because I just wanted to give us a minute. I don't know what condition you came in here today. I don't know what might be on your mind. I don't know what condition your spiritual life is in, where you were last night, how dirty you feel. And you know what? None of that matters. I just wanted to give us all a minute just to clear the decks and allow Jesus to come and do what only he can do. Amen? Amen. So anyone that would join me would just lift up a hand or maybe even both hands to heaven this morning. And in your own words right now, would you just do some business with God? Would you just go go to him this morning and say, God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, right now we are expectant. we are ready to receive a word from you. And I ask that you would come and I ask that you would have your way and you would speak into every heart and you would speak into every life. I ask that you would disrupt us today. I ask that you would change us. I didn't come, Father, with a safe assignment God, I came to give a, a word that will hopefully upend some things in our life and change some things and rewrite, because that's what you do well, is, is you, you realign things and, and you reestablish your truth and you rewrite stories. And I'm asking that would happen today in this house. I pray for miracles. I pray for um, transformation. I pray for life change today in Jesus' name. So right now, Father, we, we move aside the weeds, we move aside the pests, we move aside the distractions, the noise, the clutter, and we just say, Jesus, come and speak. Have your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. 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 All right, now you can be seated. Thank you, guys. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 18. As you're turning or clicking in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, I'm going to have my wife stand up and give the pastor's wife wave that she loves to do. This is my wife, Lindsay Stewart, of uh, 13 and a half, going on almost 14 years. And she puts up with a lot of crazy in ministry. And, uh, although we talked about it when we were dating, so anytime it gets a little crazy, I just remind her, she knew what she was signing up for. And, uh, but we, we absolutely love, um, what we get to do and do it together as a team. And um, I, I hail from the Pacific Northwest. It does not rain all the time. I know you all think it does, uh, but it's actually a little bit beautiful right now. Uh, from the same church my whole life. So 36 of my 37 years on planet Earth have found me in one church, essentially one vision, one pastor. And I am simply here as an extension of, of our house, Champion Center, and my pastor, uh, Kevin Gerald, today. Uh, we have one daughter her name is Zane, and she is six and a half. And I think we have a picture to put up on the screen of her this morning. Uh, that is her, and she is um, nuts. Uh, she, if she was here this morning, she would want to preach. It would be what she would want to do. And um, so she is actually. We just launched our ministry earlier this year called Leading Second, and she. The other day, driving to school, she said, hey, Dad, um, are you the pastor of Leading Second? To which I said, well, I guess you could kind of say that. And she said, "Um, can I be the vice pastor of Leading Second? And I kind of said, I don't know what a vice pastor is. I'm assuming vice president, you know? Uh, And so I said, absolutely. So now officially on our org chart for our team, Zane Stewart is listed as the vice pastor. So there you are, the vice pastor of our (laughs) ministry uh, right there and um Luke chapter 18 if you will this morning um i'm going to title this message uh, in the form of a question and i'm going to ask you this question as as many times as i can through this message and my prayer today is as you walk out of this place that you will actually be asking yourself this question over and over and over. I actually hope you won't rush to a quick answer for this question. I actually hope this question will bother you. I hope this question will show up tomorrow morning and will show up a month from now and will show up a year from now. Uh, I'm going to share with you a question that became a very big wrestle in my life Uh, Over the last season, a question I've attempted to answer well, and I pray that you will attempt to answer it well for your family, for your life, uh, for your future. And that question is simply this. What matters most? What matters most? Luke chapter 18. Let's read this morning out of verse 18. This is the... Story that's affectionately known as the account of the rich young ruler. If you've been in church, you may know this story. Luke 18, 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All of these I've kept Since I was a boy, he said, I love that response, by the way. I think he was kind of puffing his chest out, like trying to kind of look good in front of Jesus here. All of these I've kept since I was a boy. I did not commit adultery when I was a boy. I didn't do it. Like the third grade teacher was hot, but I didn't do it, Jesus. All of these I've kept since I was a boy. Um, When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Someone shout one thing. What if one thing this morning was standing between you and the life that God had for you? You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy, and he essentially walks away here. Skip down to verse 28. Peter said to him, and of course Peter would speak up here. Peter, if you know story of the disciples, Peter was always the open mouth, insert foot, you know, one of the disciples. Peter kind of spoke up um, often. And uh, Peter says to him, we left everything we have to follow you. <laughs> kind of like, hey, I just did what that guy didn't. Yeah. He just walked away. Hey, look at me. I did it. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life, eternal life. This story is a story of two men. The story, first of all, is the story of the man the Bible accounts as the rich, young ruler. He was rich, he was young, and he was powerful. Three things our world puts a premium on. We don't know his name. We don't know his identity. We just simply know him by his earthly accomplishments, which, of course, he didn't take with him. Um, because he was actually a spiritual giant, potentially, who never was. Think about it. On this day, what you just read was this man's invitation to follow Jesus as a disciple. He was potentially the 13th disciple. It's highly likely, had he had a different answer to that question, it's highly likely that this morning I would have said, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of... But we don't know his name. Think of the miracles left undone. Think of the stories unwritten. Think of the church left unplanted. Just think about what could have happened out of his life that happened out of the disciples' lives that actually went undone because on this day he answered a question a certain way. He walked away sad. Now, in church History And even in, in, in secular culture, we've used this verse oftentimes to paint Jesus as being anti-money. Because this man was rich, and Jesus basically says, you know, he didn't come to me because he was wealthy. And can we, I think it's time for us in the church to kind of put a period at the end of the sentence and be done with the argument that Jesus is not anti-money. That that, that Jesus is not anti-money. Um, You know, stuff I think that's kind of a misuse of this story. Jesus is not anti people having money. Jesus is anti money having people. And he looked at this man and he said, You still lack one thing. In other words, I think he perceived something about this man that there was something about him, one thing, there was something about him that would hold him back from walking in his God assigned purpose. And he gave him an opportunity to leave that thing behind and follow. But on this day, this man chose the, the rich young ruler route rather than a kingdom route. He walked away sad, and he was a spiritual giant, potentially, who never was. And what's interesting to me as I read this, what, what caught my attention wasn't just the rich young ruler. It was that Peter spoke up right after. Of course, Peter would speak up. You know, Peter blurts out, you know, we left everything to follow you. On this day, though, I'm actually going to give Peter this one. (laughs) Like, I'm actually with Peter. If you think about it, Peter himself, on his day of calling, he was a type of a rich young ruler. Think about it. When Peter was called, he just had a miraculous catch of fish. He was a fisherman. That was his business, meaning he now had a leg up on every competitor out there. No one was catching fish. He couldn't contain the fish he caught. You could say it was the business opportunity of a lifetime. It was the next great app. It was the next great business. It was the next great thing. And he actually left it because he perceived something better for his future. This story sent me into a wrestle. And the wrestle was simply this. Why did Peter get it and the rich young ruler not get it? What is it about those two stories, those two very parallel stories that that scripture allows to collide here? What is it about those two stories that caused one man to get it and one man to miss it? Because if I'm honest, I don't want to miss my moment to make my life count for Jesus. I don't want to miss my moment. To put my stamp on the earth and say I did something for the kingdom of God. That, that the, the church moved forward on my watch. That, that I leveraged everything about my life. That his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is. I, I don't want to miss my moment. Yeah. And so this sent me into a wrestle. And as I wrestled through it, I came to the conclusion that these two men had answered the question, what matters most, Differently. And the different answer of their lives framed their entire future. And so as I wrestled through this, I came to a conclusion. I came to my own answer to that question, what matters most? I'm going to share with you my answer. And I pray that as you walk out today, you'll, you'll hear my answer, but that you'll wrestle through this question in your own life. The answer that I arrived at was the only answer I could think to arrive at. It's um, an inconvenient answer. It's um, a simple answer, but in some ways, and it's a free answer, but it's an answer that will potentially cost you everything. It's an answer that will put you at the center, I believe, of God's will for your life, of God's purpose for your life. But it's not everyone's answer. Some of you are going to think I'm nuts this morning. And I'm actually okay with that because I'm, I'm here for the person that this would resonate with that would say, you know, what I've been living my life out of a different answer. And today I, I'm like, I, th- I think there's something different. My life could be around. What matters most? One word. Here's the answer I came to. What matters most is simply the word Eternity eternity. A life not lived for the here and now, but a life lived for Jesus, a life lived for his purpose, and a life lived building his church. A life lived where every decision that you face is framed around what matters most in this moment, the answer being eternity, the things of God. You see, too many people, too many believers are praying for God to use them but then failing to put themselves in any context where God can actually take their life and use them for his glory. It's like we're here this morning on Sunday morning in the faith atmosphere of church. And we're here and no, I, I pray that God stirs you up on the inside through the amazing worship we heard today. And through the entire service, you know, we often walk out on Sunday saying, you know what, God, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I want to make my life count for you. But the faith of a Sunday collides with the reality of a Monday. And we make decisions every single day that either move us more toward or farther away from the perfect will of God for our lives. And how you answer this question will frame every decision that you make. In fact, this question is framing more than you realize. As I began to wrestle through this, I began to go back through my own life and just think about when has this question shown up for me? I remembered um, being a senior in high school looking for colleges. I had um, good grades in, in high school, which meant I had no life. Um, but I did have good grades, and I had some good opportunities after high school. But um, I realized that because I was a, a church kid, because I was a kid that wanted to honor God, I had developed a filter on my college decisions. And my filter was that I would not take a scholarship offer. I would not go to a school that didn't also have a strong life-giving church close that I could be a part of every single week. In other words, no scholarship offer was worth pulling me out of church because how many young people their lives, you know, it intersects with college and it moves them away from God. And we end up having to rescue them when they're 35 years old with kids and a broken marriage. When, when you trace it back, it's because they allow the things of this world to make their decisions rather than eternity. And that was, a, that was a line I was not willing to cross. That I would actually shut down the opportunity if it meant pulling me out of the things of God. I thought about how this question has shown up in, in our parenting. I mean, as parents, we love this verse. Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Don't we love that verse? Oh, we like we like we 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 write it on our Instagrams, you know, we put it on little knickknacks from Hobby Lobby in our house. You know, you know, children are like arrows, or like it's Pinterest generation now, so it's like painting in some paint over your kids' beds. You know, you know, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. It's an awesome verse. It's a true verse. But the question then lies, if your kids are like an arrow, where are they pointed? Because an arrow doesn't hit its target just because it's an arrow. An arrow hits its target because it is aimed at the target. And I think we'd all say, yes, I want kids that honor God. Yes, I want kids that, do, that, that, that walk in God's purpose. But if we were to audit our time, And we were to audit our life, I think we'd see that sometimes our parenting is more pointed at Little League than it is at the things of God. Or college prep rather than the things of God. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I'm asking you this morning, what matters most? What matters most? Because when your kids are navigating relationships and marriage in the future and careers in the future, no scholarship opportunity is going to save them like the things of God. And the house of God, and the people of God. What matters most? Just ask yourself. Like, like, write that down somewhere this morning. If you don't write anything else down, what, what matters most to me, in my finances, in my relationships, in my decisions as I go to work tomorrow? Like, what actually matters most to me? There's a lie the enemy tells us. That that he has. Um, I think, planted deep sometimes in our hearts. And the lie goes like this. If I let go, I will lose out. If I give something up, I therefore lose out. If I let go of that relationship that's holding me back, if I let go of that career that keeps me out of the things of God, if I let, if, if I let go, I will lose out. Because we're programmed once we get something to keep it, to hoard it, to keep it close. But sometimes the kingdom revolves around people who are willing to let go of something good for something that's even better. So as my wife and I um, navigated ministry and life and now parenting and I feel like we came across some wrestles as we attempted to answer this question, what matters most. And I'm going to share with you a couple decisions that I think we have tried to make. We are not perfect. Um, we are crazy. We're straight nuts, actually. Um, we we do, I think, some pretty uncommon things. But but our whole premise in life is just to move the church forward and to do everything we can to see God's kingdom come to Earth, and, and so your decisions and ours are going to look different, and that's okay. But I think that we can all wake up tomorrow morning with the same pursuit of, of answering this question well, what matters most about my life right now? So I'm going to offer you a couple thoughts that I feel like we wrestle with often. We talk about these often. We feel like we have to navigate these things. And I, I think if you'll look, these things will show up in your life as well. If we're going to live for what matters most, the first thought I want to give you this morning is this. You're going to have to exchange perfection for purpose. If you're going to live your life around what matters most, you're going to have to exchange and ditch the perfect life for the purpose-driven life. See, what does our culture tell us to do? Our culture instructs us and coaches us to wake up on a Monday in search of the perfect life. The perfect spouse, the perfect career, the perfect 2.5 kids with the white picket fence and the minivan and the dog that only one person in the family really likes in the first place, right? And, and and we we wake up with this this desire. I've I've got to have the perfect life so that I can Instagram it and everybody thinks we're really great, you know. And and we 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 set out every day on the treadmill in the rat race on the search of in the quest of achieving perfection. And at lunch, we slip over to the bookstore. or We go to Amazon's self-help section because we're really are not adding up and we know we're not. And we collapse in bed at the end of the night, exhausted, tired, saying, you know, today was a bummer of a day, but tomorrow I'll do better tomorrow. Anyone ever lie to yourself and say like, when I just get past this season, <laughs> things are going to like, like calm down. You know, I'm going to, Anyone ever like lie to yourself that way? That's like me daily, you know? Oh, if I can just get through summer. You know, summer's going to be a little crazy. <laughs> Anyone ever noticed like like that perfect life is a mirage? Like you never quite get there? Because you see, the truth is there's no perfect families. The person next to you, next door to you, I don't care what they put on Instagram. Like there's no perfect families. There's no perfect houses there's no um, perfect marriages. There's no perfect parents. There's no perfect careers. It's a mirage. It's a myth that we chase. It's, it's, it's a... I want to offer you something better this morning. And that's a purpose-driven life. A life that wakes up every day and say, Jesus, what do you have for me to do today? I don't want to do anything less or anything more than what you want for me to do today. A life simply lived around what matters most to God. I think as Christians, we say things that sound really good. Like, I want to be more like Jesus. What do we say these things, right? Like, I want to be more like, you want to know when you're like Jesus, by the way? You're like Jesus when you love what he loves and you do what he does. And, The word of God shows us that his heart is in his church, that Jesus loved his church and gave his life for the church. And the Bible also tells us that he is a builder of the church. And we live in this day where too often people are up on Jesus and want to be more like Jesus, but are down on the church. You know, the church is too political. The church is too institutional. The church is just a building. The church is too this. The church is imperfect. The church is, I had a bad experience at church. I had a bad experience with a leader at the church. And we, we, buy into that mantra, all we need is love. Anyone ever heard that recently? Everywhere? All, love without Christ makes no sense at all. Like love without, he is the definition of love. He is, his name is love. I think we need to be the kind of people that that love what Jesus loves and does what Jesus does, which is loving and building his church. You want to Position your life at the center of his will, a purpose-driven life, is one that is found in the house of God, found faithful and planted the things that matter the most to the heart of God, which is Jesus, which is his church and his church moving forward. Amen? Amen. Not a perfect life, but a purpose-driven life. Second thought and thing that I feel like we wrestle with in our family, in our life, um and I believe you're going to have to decide for yourself if you want to live for what matters most, is you're going to have to exchange feelings for faithfulness. You're going to have to exchange feelings for faithfulness. Moment of confession this morning. Is anyone, my hand is already up, is anyone ever not felt like coming to church on a Sunday morning? My word, pastor, we got some work to do. Your pastor's hand just went up, by the way. To your very own pastor, like, has has Sundays where he would say, she would say, I didn't feel, like, I didn't feel like having a small group over to my house tonight. I didn't feel like being with the kids this morning. I didn't feel, like, greeting outside. It got really hot, you know? Like, where was that, like, 70-degree weather? Now, now I'm, like, sweaty out there. And, like like, I didn't feel anyone ever said that. Some of the greatest moments of our lives are where we push past our feelings and we move into faithfulness. I believe if you're going to live your life for what matters most, you're going to have to exchange feelings for faithfulness. The the writer in the Psalms said this line, "Zeal for your house has consumed me." Zeal, what is zeal? Is zeal like a, an emotion? Is zeal like what? What is that? I would equate zeal to being similar to um, runners high. Are there any runners in the room? Any like marathon runners in the room? I am a wannabe. I've done a couple halves. Like I'm not near it. some of your level. I'm sure. Um, when you go to run a marathon, a marathon is twenty six point two insane miles. Your body actually is not technically supposed to be able to take you that far. Like, you don't have the the, the energy, you don't have the, you know, the, um, the, the... storage of, of nutrients. You don't have enough to run that far. So what happens is once you get past mile 18 or 20, you're now running on sheer adrenaline, right? You're you're now you're now running past your feelings. You're now running past what you're capable of, but you finish strong and you finish well. So then what happens when you have when you when you cross the finish line, your body is rushed with this euphoric <laughs> feeling. Your body experiences this euphoria known as runner's high, which anyone that, you know, some people look at runners and say, you're crazy, but runners get addicted to running. It's like CrossFitters. Like all they do is talk about running. All they do is talk about CrossFit. Anyone know anybody like that? Like, uh, (laughs) and all they do is talk about running, running, running. It's because they experience the high of moving past their feelings to finish their race. And they experience something that you don't experience unless you get that far past your natural ability. I think that's what the writer was on to when he said, zeal for your house has consumed me. I don't think zeal just means I just show up when I want to. I think zeal means I showed up because something bigger than me mattered today. I show up because someone's life is in the balance today. I showed up to greet. I showed up to serve. I showed up to volunteer, to watch kids, to, to, to play music, to, to, to be in the parking lot. I showed up today because this day could mean heaven or hell for someone walking in the house today. Zeal for your house. I may not feel like it. It may not be easy. It may not be convenient. But I'm going to show up. I'm going to f- push past my feelings. I'm going to move into faithfulness because of what matters most. Eternity. I was on a flight uh, a couple years ago from, it was a Monday morning. I'd been with a church all weekend in Boise, Idaho. And uh, on this day, I had to move, I had to get from Boise, Idaho to, I think it was Memphis, Tennessee. I had to get there by a certain time. Uh, I was actually meeting my pastor there, and uh, we were doing something in ministry Later on that night, time zones don't work in your favor when you got to get that side of the country by a certain time. Um, there was not a direct route to get me there. So on this day, I was on the most convenient route I could find. But it all, it involved, first of all, a flight whose flight time was in like the 4 a.m. kind of category. So like Jesus himself is still hitting snooze and waking up in <laughs> definitely not at the airport. And... um it also involved being on an airline that wasn't my usual airline, which frequent travelers know when you stick to one airline long enough they treat you kind of nice. You know, they let you sit in the nicer seats sometimes and you know you kind of get to cut the lines and whatnot. But on this day I was on an airline I didn't ever hardly fly. It was the airline that drags people off. It doesn't matter what airline it was, it was that one though. And um, and so and at the Boise, who, who knew, by the way, at 3 a.m., who knew there were lines out the door at the Boise airport? Would anybody have known this? I didn't know this. And so I show up, and there's lines, that, I mean, chaos everywhere. I get to TSA. Um, my favorite people on the planet. Pray for them every day. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, no quick lines open that morning. I mean, literally hour-long lines. I'm already running late, as we do, and... Um, managed to get through security, catch the plane on time. Um, My seat on this day was the middle seat in the back row by the bathroom. So by the time I navigated all that, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm spent, it's going to be a great day, but it's going to be a long day. And got to my seat finally, and I sat down, and let's just say I wasn't in the best of moods that morning. Or you could say I didn't feel like being there. And I sat there and kind of complained for a minute and looked on Instagram at everybody else's great life and my, like, hard life. And, you know, because isn't isn't that what we do, by the way? We look at everybody's best of highlight reel and we compare it to our behind-the-scenes footage, you know? And um, kind of had a moment, and then it hit me as I was sitting there having a pity party for myself Um First of all, I had prayed for over a decade for God to give me the opportunity to do what we're doing today. In silence, in waiting. We sang a song about waiting earlier today. And, I mean, it was, it was a decade where no one knew this was a dream that was in our heart to do. And I remember uh, my first flight, stepping out to do this at the beginning of 2012, was a middle seat back by the bathroom. I think it was a standby seat even. And I remembered to myself in that morning in Boise that there was a day I would have given my right arm to be on that plane. Like, there was a day I would have given anything. If it was, I would have sat on the pilot's lap if it would have let me, for crying out loud, you know, just to be on the plane to to go do something for God. And I, I sat there that morning, and I honestly repented before God. And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me if I've made this about me. Forgive me if I've made this about my convenience. Forgive me if, if, if I've made this about how I feel right now. Um, I may be tired and I may be spent, but I'm not going to be burned out. I'm going to be poured out for you. And um, there's a difference there, by the way. And um, I just kind of sat there that morning and said, God, whatever it takes, I, I'll, I will do anything you ask me to do because I'm going to commit this morning all over again to being faithful faithful. Past my feelings. I'm gonna show up even when I don't feel like it. I'm gonna tithe even when I don't feel like it. I'm gonna encourage somebody even when I'm having a bad day. I'm gonna do for someone else what I what I'm believing God to do for me. I'm just gonna live beyond me. I'm gonna live beyond my feelings and I wanna hopefully arrive somewhere at the end of the day and hear those beautiful words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You did it. You know, you're not responsible to run anyone else's lane. You're just responsible to finish your race. Let's not get caught up in competing and comparing. And you were never supposed to be in someone else's lane. You're supposed to be right where you're at today, serving Jesus. And all he asks of you, all he asks of me is to run strong, run well, push past the feelings, push past the points where you want to quit, run strong, show yourself faithful, and you'll hear those words like I pray to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. What matters most? What matters most. I pray that you'll wrestle with this today. I pray that you'll leave here today and ask yourself, what matters most in my finances? What matters most in my marriage? What matters most to those arrows I'm pointing somewhere? What matters most? I'm going to close with this story. This okay for just a minute? Are we, are we good? For Samuel in chapter 1 um, is the story of um, a woman named Hannah and a mel- man named Elkanah. And um, Hannah never had children, and she prayed for children. She believed God. She asked God for children, never had children. And she got so desperate that um, one day she's, she's praying, and she's crying out to God. She wanted a son, just, just one son so badly. She got so desperate, she said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to believe. If you'll give me a son, I will give him back to you. Like how crazy upside down faith is that? To believe God for something just to give it back to him. And I think sometimes the greatest moments of our life are not the moments where we get something, but the moments where we give something. Peter experienced that. The heroes of the Bible have experienced these moments where they give something up. And what's amazing about that story is that God answered her prayer. He gave her a son, and she was faithful to her word. When 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 it was time, she brought him to the temple. She left him there in service of God, and she would go back to see him. Well, that little boy ended up becoming the prophet Samuel, one of the great prophets um, of God's story in the Old Testament and the prophet that would actually identify David, the greatest king In the Bible, and no doubt she could always look back for years and and see, there's my offering. There's the thing that I gave up. Look what it did for the kingdom. Look what it did for God, because I was willing to give something up, because the enemy lies to us and says that when we get something, we're supposed to keep it for ourselves. But in the kingdom, sometimes the greatest opportunities and the greatest moments we have are the moments where we give something up, what matters most. What's interesting about this story is that in chapter 2, she was back at the temple many years later, watching her son grow up, still praying, still believing God for more. And the priest was with her one day, and he said these words to her. He said, may the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Look where she ended up at the end of the day. At the end of the day, she got to see her offering, her one, go out and do something great for God. And she gained five more children as a result. Because that's what God does. When you give up something for him and you answer this, our God is not a God who's a taker. Our God is a giver. And when you answer this question, well, what matters most? I just, I don't know in what form it will come. And I don't know in what season it will come. But when you give your life over to God and you say, God, my life is an offering. Take me as I am. Take me as you want to use me. It is amazing how God finds a way to come and give you so much more than you ever gave up in the first place. So any decision you make walking out of this message today, what matters most? I just promise you, God will show himself faithful to you. And you watch where your family will end up. Watch where your life, watch where your career will end up. When you answer this question, well, what matters most? Father, today I pray for every single person in this house today. I thank you for the movement, church. I thank you for every person that has found their way into this house. And God, I just pray that as we leave here today, I pray this question would resonate deep in our hearts, deep in our lives, and deep in our spirits. I ask God that we would be found faithful with this answer. I ask that you would bring this answer back to mind as we go to work tomorrow and as we parent and as we make career decisions and life decisions. Oh God, let us be the kind of people that love what you love and build what you build and keep the things that are close to your heart close to ours. That you would break our hearts this morning, God, for what breaks yours. And I ask, Father, that as we attempt to do all of this, I I just ask that you would find us faithful. And that we would hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did it. You ran the race. You crossed the line. You finished your assignment. I ask that that would be said of me and my family in this house. I thank you for this house, God. I thank you for this church. I thank you that it's no accident this church is here. I thank you for the small army you're assembling right now. And I thank you, God, that, that we haven't even begun to see what you're going to do through this house. We haven't even begun to see what you're going to do through the selfless men and women that are signing up today, Father, just to be on board and be church builders and be all in. And I just ask, God, that you, would, that you would raise this church up, Father, to be a significant light to a community that desperately needs to know you. I ask that your hand of blessing would be on this house. I ask, God, that favor would be on this house, that you would open doors for this house, God, that no, that no man could shut, Father, that you would take this house, that you would multiply this house, Father, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we just commit today, Father. We're going to do whatever we can to be a part of the story you're writing here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you agree with that this morning, just say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, every person in prayer, I do want to ask you one question as we get ready to dismiss this morning. Um, that question is just simply: Do you know Jesus? Do you, Do you know him? Do you know him as Savior? Do you know him as Lord? Have you ever consciously given your life to him? You know, the foundation of everything we've talked about today is a life lived for Jesus. A life lived that knows his love. Friend, I don't know your story and your background and where you've been and what you've done and how you feel today. But I know Jesus and I know his story. And I know that he rewrites stories and he gives new hope and he gives a new future. He died on a cross and he rose again couple thousand years ago for you because he saw you, because he loved you, because he knew that you would be here today in a position to receive his free gift of salvation. I I wonder if today is your day. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never heard an invitation to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning. You've grown up in church like me, and um, maybe you know exactly what I'm doing right now. Maybe you've heard this done many times before, but if you'd be honest, The condition of your life is not with God. It's not right with God. If you'd be honest, maybe you're backslidden somehow in your heart and in your life. Whatever your story is today, I want to tell you God is not mad at you. God loves you. Um, He just misses you. He wants you home. He wants you home in his house, he wants you home with his family. And if you're here this morning and you need today to be a day where things change, you need today to be a day where you give your life to Jesus. You need today to be a day where you draw a line in the sand and say, today I am now serving Jesus. I am a Christ follower. If that's you, whether that would be for the first time or whether that would be a recommitment, on the count of three, I just want to know who I'm praying for today. I want to know who, who is God talking to this morning. Or you would say, Brandon, that's me. Include me in this moment. Include me in this time. I need today to be my day of new beginnings in my life and in my relationship with God. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, every person in prayer, you're among family this morning. If you're here and you'd say, Brandon, that's me, include me. This is my day. This is my moment. On the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. Lift it up proud. Lift it up boldly. Let me see who you are. Give me a chance. I want to pray with you the greatest prayer you'll ever pray in your life. A life, a a prayer to give your life to Jesus this morning. On the count of three. One, two, three. Three, if that's you, just lift up up your hand anywhere that you would. So good. So keep it up. Keep it up. Let me see who you are. And then anyone else, you say, include me in this moment, include me in this time. This is my day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, with your hands still high, with your hand raised, you're among family this morning. Church, let's all say this together. And if your hand is up, put your faith behind this and say this as honestly and authentically as you can to God right now. Say, Lord Jesus. Welcome to my world, I invite you today to come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of all my sins, make me a new person. Today I receive your love, I receive your grace, I receive a new beginning. The past is in the past, I am a new creation, today, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a big amen. Church, can we give it up in a huge way? Can we throw a party? Can we celebrate? You can do a whole lot better than that. Can we celebrate right now? Because someone beside you just gave their life to Jesus. And by the way, can we never tire of that moment? Like, like I literally came all this way just for that moment, that someone would put their faith in Jesus again. If you're here and you did that, let me just say welcome to the family of God. Um, we're so excited for you. Last thing I'm going to say, and then um, Pastor Carrie will call me off like the Oscars here. Um, if you're here and you're a believer and you haven't actually committed that this is going to be your church and you're going to put down roots, it's the second greatest decision we make as believers. Second only to our decision of salvation is where we're going to put down roots, where we're going to be planted. If you've never done that, can I just encourage you to make today that day for you? Saying, you know what? I found my home. I'm not going to look any longer, um, but I'm going to marry this vision. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to put down roots, and I'm going to believe that Psalm 92:13 is going to be my story that planted in the house of the Lord, we will flourish in the courts of our God. I believe if you'll do that, I believe that today will also be a day where you look back and say, it was a great day of blessing on my life when I made that decision to put the house of God first so we love your church thank you for having us this morning god bless you
0: if you prayed that prayer with us today we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you would you email us at info at the ocmovement.com and if you're not in the area we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you send us an email at info at the ocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.